Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only the diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, where you can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I am joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy podcast, but as always, is here to talk Brewers baseball with me today. And it is that time of the year where spring training has started, so we have interviews and new pitches to discuss and people in the best shape of their lives and all this, all this good stuff. But before we get to all that, Trevor, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I feel like I'm starting to come down with a cold or something, so sorry if I sound like shit, everyone, but, you know, other than that, I can't really complain too much. Yeah, I I woke up on Friday, and I was like, oh, I don't feel so good, and then Saturday was more of the same thing, and the future wife and I had to be on the road by 7 a.m. Saturday, and she's, you know, trying to make herself look even prettier than she already is in the bathroom and it's like 705 and we get in the car and she's like you know when you're sick the world's dying you were just going around the house going Ugh. i'm like that's not because i was sick that's because you were making me late that was my hurry up moan <laughs> not i'm sick <laughs> so apparently they're interchangeable <laughs> uh, well way to be a suck up even though i know she's not going to listen to this yeah, as a Cubs fan and barely a Cubs fan, she's got no business listening to anything Brewer related. So we'll just still mock her when we win win most of the series against the Cubs this year. Yes, especially especially the second game of the year. Well, that's against. Oh yeah, second game of the year. Touche. Seeing how we will be present at that game in the in the yes. new section. Is it is it the Miller Light Landing? Woo! It's called. So new this year. It, it's yes. gonna be fun. Yeah, we're going to break it in. <laughs> Damn right we are. <laughs> For Tyler's bachelor party, that's where he wanted to go. Just so you all know how big of a fan he is. That's where Tyler wanted to go for his bachelor party. So that's where we are going. Would you have it any other way? Like, really? <laughs> um, I I would prefer a Packer game, but... Yeah, well, you know. that's not an option at this point. So, the Brewers, it is... So I don't know if you caught any of this, Trevor, but uh, obviously with pitchers and catchers reporting and some position players this last week, there was a crap ton of interviews that went on. And of course, there's talks of people adding new pitches. So let's let's focus on those first. Kind of the smaller one is Ethan Small, our first round draft pick, indicated he started <laughs> working on a slider. Did you do that on purpose? Do what? 
You said the smaller one, and then you said Ethan Small. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did not do that on purpose. But <laughs> when when we watched him pitch, we realized it was more of like a a fastball and maybe a changeup. There was a huge drop in velocity, so slider and some movement will be will be good for him. And then the second one is Freddie Peralta also added a slider. So if you haven't watched any of the highlight films from it over winter ball, they're they're incredible. If you remember, Freddie also throws a curveball as well. That's a big hooker. And his slider, at least from what I've seen in winter ball, looks pretty straight and then just drops off the table at the last second. So pretty exciting. Do you think this slider will be a big key to his success this season? Or are you not buying that the slider is going to help Freddie turn the corner and kind of progress upward like he should this year? Well, first I want to back up to Ethan Small. So when we watched him pitch for the Timber Rattlers, that what was in that that in August last year, Tyler? I think so. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty late in the year. But we just like constantly, we were looking up at, the radar gun like after every pitch and it seemed like he had two pitches but then like that second pitch was the changeup or whatever it was really changed speeds a lot because it was like anywhere from 80 to 86 so it wasn't like consistent so maybe there was him the beginnings of a slider there he was just not throwing it very often so it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do hopefully that helps him progress through the minors a little bit this year but in terms of Freddie you know if he can control it and by the sounds and the looks of it it is has some great movement and it's a good looking pitch if he's able to control it that is going to help immensely for him and I think it's really going to help him become or has a chance for him to become a dominant pitcher. Again, the big thing that I will be watching is if he's able to control it. Um, because as we know, and as we've kind of talked about throughout the offseason, is if this bullpen's going to be good, we kind of need those guys to figure out the control. So whether that's Corbin Burns, Ray Black, adding a new pitch, I feel like is something that we really want to focus on control with, see how, how he starts out controlling it. Um, so that's going to be the big thing I'm looking for because, by all accounts, the stuff is there. We just need to see him be able to get it in the strike zone and specifically where he wants and needs it to be in the strike zone. Yeah, control is a great point because in his rookie season, that was kind of the big issue. He seemed to walk a lot of batters, and last year in 2019, that got better. So control of the slider will be huge, and you back up to last year, he threw this four-seam fastball 78% of the time, curveball 20, and then a changeup 1%. Only threw 17 changeups all of last season. So if he's able to mix in that slider, that's that's going to be huge, especially for a guy who might start a few games for the Brewers this year, although I don't think that'll be his, his role starting off and breaking out of camp. But if he uh, wants the potential to get some extended time as a starter, having three pitches is going to help him uh, quite a bit. So as you mentioned, he'll also have to control that as well. Another guy kind of similar to Freddie Peralta is Corbin Burns. No, he's not adding a new pitch this year. He will have a new look. He did have LASIK eye surgery, so won't have any more prescription goggles. But in an interview, he did indicate that he's not going to wipe the slate clean, per se, after his terrible season last year. In fact, it sounds like he's more going to rely on his slider. 
So let's just take a second to listen to this clip uh, from Corbin Burns. So if you caught that there, Trevor he said, how do we make the slider better? So last year he threw his four-seamer 53% of the time and slider 31% of the time. Occasional curveball at 8% and then a sinker and a change, which he didn't throw a ton of under 4% for both of those. So by what I think he means is make the slider better. It means throw it more often and maybe get it closer to 50-50. But what are your thoughts? I feel like this is something we've talked about and something that Jack Stern talked about a few times as well is really, just like I talked about with Freddie, first and foremost, control is going to be a big thing for him. Figuring out where in the zone he needs to throw his pitches and also just getting them in the zone and not getting them middle-middle when he does get it in the zone. But I think what you hear, he states that he wants to really focus on the slider but do it in a way that isn't taking everything else out it's he knows the slider is his pitch right so he's got to make that fastball a little bit better more effective make his other pitches that he's going to use consistently a little bit more effective but still use that slider so I just think yeah that usage rate might go up a little bit for the slider but I feel like it needs to be a focus of control and getting those other pitches down because the stuff is there and his slider is at least one of the best in the league if not the best like the numbers the analytics tell you it's an absolutely amazing slider so I think just focusing on everything else and let the slider do the work but don't let them kill you on your other pitches I think is going to be very important and I think that's what he's trying to get across in that interview. So you mentioned control with Corbin Burns, and I think that is a key part too, as Jack Stern alluded to on the last podcast, it's keeping that fastball high in the zone. He has that extremely high spin rate that gets talked about so often, and it felt like last year he was leaving those middle of the plate to middle down, which isn't an ideal spot for those. So control, at least with a fastball up in the zone and able to mix that slider in there, should go a long way, and if he's going to use it more, he's going to use it more. That's that's kind of kind of a wait-and-see approach, I guess, on that one. Before we move on, Tyler, about that fastball up in the zone and the slider, you know, t- you're typically you don't want that slider up in the zone. You want that kind of down in the zone. So is that going to tip his hand to the hitters a little bit more? Because if he's throwing the slider down consistently and the fastball up, is that just going to tell them exactly here comes the slider here comes the fastball or do you think he's going to have to use his other pitches whether it be the curve or whatever else he has does he have to use those pitches a little bit more to make sure they're not it's like oh this is a slider coming because he's starting it low yeah I get what you're saying and I think it was in the World Series watching the Astros pitch and they threw sliders high in the zone on purpose like I don't I'm not going to say that's a good strategy but when you're throwing that slider at that velocity, it, I don't know if it necessarily matters a ton 
where it is location-wise because we know the movement is good and that people struggle to hit it. So I think just kind of having it in that repertoire in general is going to benefit him. Other news breaking out of camp was that Josh Hader loses his arbitration case, or the Brewers won, however you want to look at it. So instead of making 6.1 mil, he's going to be making 4.1. Hader, even Council Heck, both kind of went on record saying that it's kind of a broken system, the arbitration is, just due to the fact that a big reason why Hader didn't get the money is due to his low save totals. Because we know his stats are there, and in fact the most interesting one that I've seen is that Josh Hader is first all-time among relievers with at least 200 inning pitches with a 44.6 strikeout percentage, which is obviously insane. And the fact that he didn't get the money that, you know, he could make definitely make more than that if he was a free agent per se, but that's just not how the system works. So, well, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this arbitration case? Are, are you happy, sad, indifferent about Hader? not getting paid as much? Do you think the system's broken, or where do you want to go there? Well, I think the whole arbitration thing is ridiculous. Like, I know in the MLB it's just different because the minor leagues are so... You need to go through the minor leagues. It's not like in the NFL where you get drafted and you're just in the NFL. The NBA has the G League now, but that's not really a source of players like getting to the majors it's just it's just not the same so i know they have to have a little bit different process in terms of when players become free agents because it it is a little weird but arbitration i think is just ridiculous there has to be a better way like they i don't know if you have them become restricted a little bit sooner maybe you have them instead of going into arbitration at this point in his career, you wait two years, you go into restricted free agency, and then after that, they go into unrestricted. I, I don't really know, but it just seems like the arbitration process isn't the best. And Josh Hader definitely deserves more money than $4.1 million because if he's not the best reliever in the game, he's second, maybe third best. Like, he is just a great player. But also... He was making 687000 last year. So to go up to 4.1, that's still a huge pay raise. And I get it. He deserves more. But also, there's a second year of arbitration coming up. And he's still making $4.1 And at that point, to pitch every two days and you're making $4.1 I think you can calm down. Because I work every day and I don't make nearly that amount of money. And I don't have five months off. <laughs> That's a fair case for any professional athlete, really. Like, <laughs> they get paid so much. But yes, he, in terms of professional athlete, he deserves to have more money or make more money because he is a premier talent at his position in his sport. And he deserves to get paid like that. And the arbitration process is why he's not getting paid like that. But also, if he was still on a rookie contract for two more years, he'd be getting paid, what, under a million? So, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say arbitration is tricky. Like, I get why arbitration is in place. And with more younger players getting to the majors earlier, it kind of makes everything tricky. And 
I don't know, I kind of feel like arbitration has to take a more analytical approach as well, because, I mean, that's where the game is shifting, and it, it just seems like it's a little behind, and just Josh Hader case is a prime example of it. It's, you know, if you're going to switch it up and get rid of it all together, I, I don't know, I get what you're saying and how that could, or how you could maybe do something like that, but when there's so many millions of players to choose from that yeah, it gets tricky and you got, you got to pay all these minor leaguers and granted they don't get paid nearly enough, but I don't know. It's, it's a tough system and it's tough for those breakout players who get to the majors early and get paid like dirt compared to maybe some veterans that they're outperforming year after year. So I don't know. I mean, for now it saves the brewers a couple million and you know, you just hope it doesn't burn a bridge later down the road um, when the Brewers are looking to hopefully re-sign him when he does run out of his arbitration years. Yeah, but also it's not the Brewers' fault. Right. It's a business, and I think they both understand that, but you never know. (laughs) Other arbitration news was Brent Suter avoided it, and the Brewers struck a two-year deal, so it's $2.5 million guaranteed. There's a $100,000 signing bonus, his salary in 2020 is 900k and then 1.5 in 2021 and then his 2021 salary can increase depending on how many innings he pitches this year so it goes up by 50k at certain milestones and they are 80 innings pitched 100 120 140 and 160 innings pitched so i think that's a pretty generous generous deal that the brewers did I don't think Suter would have won his arbitration case, mainly due to injury and doing. And granted, he performed really well in like the 18 innings he pitched last year. But what are your thoughts on the contract? <laughs> I mean, two years, two and a half million total, or whatever it ends up being. I mean, that sounds absolutely phenomenal. Um, if we get him to be the player he was down the stretch and in the in that very short postseason run that we had this past year that is going to be a bargain but if he's able to stay healthy and pitch near what he was able to do this past year I think that is a great signing and one that's going to go up in his next arbitration case or if they avoid it again with another contract extension but it's definitely his contract should be going up if he's able to stay healthy and all of that. I agree. It's just good to see him at least locked up for two more years in a Brewer uniform. Glad we get to see the Raptor and all his jokes for a couple more years. More Jim Carrey impressions. <laughs> yeah, right. They're the best. They're And his Smeagol mm-hmm. one is pretty good, too. <laughs> Other news. There was a lot coming out of camp. I think one of the more important ones is regarding Corey Knable. He threw his fourth bullpen session over the weekend. It was about 20 pitches long at 80%. And then the big news there, at least update-wise, with no setups, he could be back in the Brewers' bullpen by the first week of May, which is obviously pretty encouraging. And then there were also, like, some other stories. Shelby Miller reported to camp 30 pounds lighter. He was 250 last year and obviously hoping to return to form from the like mid to 2015 2016 form when he started over 30 games in like three seasons in a row Arcia seemed pretty welcoming of Luis Urias basically saying I want to welcome here and I know he's going to help us win games and it's my job to to make him feel acclimated and make him feel one of us which I thought was pretty mature of Orlando Arcia to do 
And then uh, the funny one is Craig Council declined to name an opening day starter. Maybe he's got the curse on his mind and has something up his sleeve for that. But <laughs> anything on there you want to touch on at all, Trevor? I am completely okay if Craig Council decides that he wants to see, I don't know, like a Shelby Miller start opening day just so we don't have to endure a terrible curse again. Um, I would be okay with that. Obviously, we know who is deserving of that spot, but it'll be interesting to see what he ends up deciding because that is a a pretty huge thing to be able to be an opening day starter for a club. But hopefully if they do hand the ball to Brandon Woodruff on that day, that he's able to perform how he did the entirety of last season and maybe hopefully takes a step forward as well. But I also wouldn't complain about seeing Brandon Woodruff on that Saturday of opening weekend. I would be really happy with that too. (laughs) I hadn't even thought about my own selfish reasonings. That's a good point. (laughs) Yep. So Craig Council, me and Tyler are big Brewer fans and we deserve to see Brandon Woodruff when we go there. So please don't play or don't pitch him opening day. Thanks. (laughs) You know, with our, with our luck, it'll, well, most likely it'll be Adrian Hauser on that Saturday, but you know, who knows? Maybe he'll throw like a, a Brett Anderson in there who actually had a funny one-liner, I think, from the weekend. He was being interviewed asking about, you know, the camaraderie, how, you know, how long does it take for you to get to know your catchers and vice versa? And he says, well, I'm a pretty easy guy to catch because I don't throw that hard, <laughs> mm. which yeah, that, that's pretty savvy of a vet- veteran to say who barely cracks 90 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, that, that was my funniest moment of spring training so far. And then, you know, other news, I think, from spring training was, if you missed it, Christian Yelich was, wasn't in the dunk contest. He, he stood there in the dunk contest while Pat literally went right over his shoulder. So that was, that was cool to see. And I don't know, Trevor, did you hear that if Pat Conton would have advanced further in the dunk contest, they had a... They had something planned with a baseball and Christian Yelich in mind. Did you hear that as well? Uh, I did not hear anything about that. No, I do not. I was not sure what was happening. That that would have been awesome, though. I'm curious to know what it would have been. Well, I did see an interview with Giannis afterwards saying Giannis and Pat didn't practice that at all. So I wonder if that was supposed to be the second dunk, but Pat kind of changed his mind. I don't know. We'll never know unless he makes it next year, which hopefully he does. <laughs> He he did not disappoint, unlike Chris Middleton in the three-point competition. Um, both times he was in it. But he did not disappoint. That was a really, really good dunk contest, and he would have been put to shame if he got into the finals. But he did he did pretty well. I was pleasantly surprised with, with his dunks. And who says white man can't jump, right? <laughs> well, uh, most most white men can't jump. Right, <laughs> All right, let's let's transition into our Twitter question here. <coughs> we have from Scott Hansen. He wants to know who's playing third base. So, Trevor, who's on third? I'm going to go with the only right answer, and that is ask Craig Council because I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it going to be a platoon? Is it going to be, or are you asking strictly opening day who's starting? Yeah, I I don't know who's 
who's starting for the Cubs? Is it righty or lefty? Is it like what does all of that entail too? Uh, so I don't know. What do you think, Tyler? And I don't know if he was asking opening day. Is this like just who's going to get the most starts at third? I'm not really sure exactly what he was asking, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, right now the options are Eric Sogard, who's listed first on the Brewers' website depth chart, Jed Jerko, Urias is listed there, but uh, he's probably more of a shortstop, and then Ryan Healy is on there as well. So, I don't know, if I had to answer that question, I'll answer all of your components too as well. I'd say opening day starter is going to be Jed Jerko, and I mean, I think it's his job to lose. He's We're hoping a bounce-back year for him. If he is unable to bounce back, then some of these other guys will get chances and maybe it'll be a platoon for a little bit. And if nobody really sticks out, I fully expect the Brewers to trade and upgrade in that position or or, or look to the farm that way. So that's my answer to the question. So do you think it's going to be more of a platooning role or more this is your position? If you don't produce, then we're going to get the next guy in here, see if he can produce and kind of rotate through guys that way. I mean, I would like Jerko to kind of get that first nod and be like what you said, it's your job to lose. But, I mean, I think part of it will depend on spring training, who's performing well, who's hot. And, I mean, that's kind of how you figure out the start of the season lineups is ride the hot bat and just kind of adjust from there. If if nobody's hot, then it's a lot of platooning. And, you know, maybe at first it's platooning until you see somebody standing out a little bit. But uh, I would love Jerko to get an opportunity just because he's, been a pretty good producer for ball clubs you know thinking back two to four years ago in that range and I think he still has it so that's who I have the most faith in anyway yeah I I think I would agree with you I think that that's who we're going to see initially and we'll 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 see how it goes um I would not be surprised if that's a position that we see the Brewers try to upgrade at the trade deadline or maybe even before that if they need to agreed so thank you, Scott Hansen, for tweeting that question into us. Reminder, we are on Patreon, so you guys can sign up for all of our different levels. You can join us for as little as $2 a month or up to 10 and each level unlocks different things for you. So make sure you check all that out. Check the Packers Trilogy podcast out, as well as our website, always posting articles there as well. But until next time, we will see you later, Brewer fans. Justin Stearns.